Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 15 of the Goulet Pen Cast, where fountain pens are still a thing. I am Brian Goulet. And I am Drew Brown. And we are here from Goulet Pens to deliver this casual and informal, tangential and extraneous, superfluous and extemporaneous fountain pen show where we talk about what's going on at Goulet Pens and in our fountain pen lives. In today's show, we're going to be talking about ink light fastness, which just sounds really cool if you don't know what that is. Fixing mistakes when writing with a fountain pen. I wouldn't know about that because I don't make any mistakes. Very much kidding. And what it would take for us to give up fountain pens forever. I don't know about that one, but we're going to talk about some interesting stuff. So let's start out with some feedback, Drew. What have people been saying about our past videos? Well, Drew has some feedback on this episode because he thought you just said how to fix stakes with your fountain pens. And I'm like, <laughs> wait, how do you fix a stake with a fountain pen? Like tenderize your stake with your fountain pen kind of thing? You like, could do that. Yeah. Just, I mean, Diplomat Arrow, it's got like a, you know, a little rolling pin type of a, you know, vibe to it, maybe. I don't know. We might need a separate video on that. Um, well, kicking <laughs> off our feedback, Joe from YouTube replied to episode 11 where you, Brian, outed me in front mm. of the, 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 the public about how I've never seen a Seinfeld episode. And, and I've seen right. them pro- probably in like a doctor's office or something. Like, it has come my way. But anyway, you mentioned that, so Joe decided that his... His reply to that would be simply, no soup for Drew, which I do get that reference because Drew rhymes with you. So, Joe, ha ha. Well, well, well done. done, sir. Well done, sir. Yeah. That's like, that's like the Seinfeld reference that people who don't know anything about Seinfeld probably know, you know, the soup Nazi thing, which word on the street is that it was actually based on a real soup uh, like place in New York that Jerry had run into. And after they aired the episode, he was banned from the place and was no longer allowed to get soup because of the soup. <laughs> and I was like, that's too good. That's too good. That is pretty I marvelous. Know. I don't know if that's 100% verified, but whatever, that's the way I heard it, as uh, as Mike Rowe would say. Right, awesome. And then uh, Lynn from YouTube came comes back with another good comment uh, in response to the fact that we had said previously in response to uh, the YouTube intro video, we mentioned that like there was just a ton of really, really nice comments on there and that we were really fortunate to have such a kind, un-YouTube-like YouTube audience. Yeah. Uh, Lynn did not think that that was okay, so he decided to say, you guys suck. Fountain pens suck. There, you can say you have real YouTube comments now. <laughs> so thank you. Now I don't feel so left out. I mean... That was probably meant as a joke, but it's not that far off from the... Oh, it was definitely meant for a joke. The level of uh, thought that usually goes into the hate comments on YouTube. Oh, yeah. No, it was definitely a joke. Lynn was at the uh, DC show. He's a good guy. Nice. Um, That's awesome. All right. And then Susan on YouTube, in response to one of our videos, I'm not sure which one this is, but she says, lick a tissue. Cue Drew's, I'm not sure about that face. Um, basically, you said something about licking a tissue to make a fountain pen write better, and I made oh, yeah. a face because why would you lick a tissue? And Susan found that entertaining. She says, you never know what Mr. Goulet will say and how Drew will react. Priceless. Thanks for the videos. See, that's really funny because a lot of times, so, okay. Obviously, when Drew and I are sitting next to each other in like a normal scenario, I'm trying to look at the camera 
or I'm looking at him. And, you know, when we're together for a long time, we don't want to be just staring at each other the whole time because then you're just looking at the sides of our faces and it feels like you're not in the conversation. You're just like watching us have a conversation. So we try to like really engage and look, which is, if I got to be honest, it's a little weird because we're not actually looking at like your face, which would be great, but you guys are behind a, you know, monitor or a TV or a phone or whatever. We're just looking into a camera lens. So we have to kind of intentionally ignore the faces that are actually in the room like Drew, he's down on a little screen right here now, like kind of to my left next to my notes. And then I have like my monitor with my face in it. So I got to like not look at myself the whole time, but I got to look right in the right in the camera at you all. So sometimes when I'm saying things and I'm kind of in the zone, I completely miss whatever's happening with Drew's face. So that's kind of cool. I didn't even know you reacted to Why wouldn't whatever. I? Like, why would you lick a tissue? It's going to stick to your tongue. Not really. No, I'm not saying like lick like like a ice cream cone, just kind of dab it a little bit, you know? <laughs> if I had a tissue. No, right, no, you do right not lick a me. tissue on the pencast. Or a paper towel or a napkin or whatever, whatever paper object that you have. All right, um, that, that's just, you better. know, just dab it a little bit or spit on it if you don't want to actually touch it. Oh, your come on, to you're tissue. making it worse. Spit okay, on it and it. Fine. Go and get All a right. bottle of filtered water <laughs> and dip your paper object into it to wet it. Oh, then God. you can wipe off the grip of your pen easier than a dry. I'm just saying like a dry paper thing or cloth thing or whatever is not gonna wipe the ink off your grip as easily as something that is wet. And so that, if you have no true. other resources, if I'm on a plane or I'm in a hotel room or whatever, I'm just gonna grab whatever like paper thing is closest to me. And that's probably gonna be a tissue or a paper towel or a napkin. And that's, I'm just gonna roll with it and I'm gonna move on with my life. And if Drew's going to give me a face about it, then that's just icing on the cake, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, my God. Well, I'm glad that uh, my pain is amusing to you, Susan. Um, so this is another comment. Um, I Actually, I'm so sorry. I did not write down who this was from. This was from YouTube, though. Um, hmm. They said, not my original idea, and I haven't done this myself, but I have seen a YouTuber who is doing it, using a fountain pen and journal to handwrite a favorite book uh the youtuber in this reference is writing lord of the rings the idea is that future generations will be able to read That's a, a cla book. classic or a beloved novel in their great grandmother's own handwriting there's no deadline wow. just take as long as it takes and it's a way of doing the act of handwriting that may uh, have a value for posterity and not being embarrassing to read like a journal or something like that and yeah. i had never heard this idea before and i absolutely love it like mm. i want to do this now I've never heard of it, but I think it's a great way to just write. And there's no deadlines. So you can just, if you want to write, yeah. this is all. This, this is something that would always be there for you. So, um, a, I might I might start with something a little shorter than Lord of the Rings. I, I thought I thought about that. Yeah, um, that's that's three books. Um, I thought about it, and I would start with Neil Gaiman's Norse mythology. I love that book. I've read it several times, and it's uh, it can be read by anybody. It's a fun, it's a fun, quick little read, and I think I could manage that one. But then, you know, obviously there are bigger, better books out there. Um, but I'd love to know what you would do viewing public. What book would you choose to write? Or maybe you have, you know, begun this expedition on your own. What are you writing? Brian, what would you pick? And it cannot be a book about leadership principles. Oh, I was going to say like uh, one of my kids like children books or something that has a lot of a lot of pictures and very few words maybe. 
why can't it be a leadership book why you gotta oh, why you gotta handcuff me like that you're so lame no um, um good question good question i i don't know i i i had this kind of idea just for context here lord of the rings if you count the whole trilogy it's five hundred and seventy-six thousand four hundred and fifty-nine words that is a lot of words yeah um fellowship of the ring is 187,000 and change Jeez. two towers 156,000 and change and 137,000 and change for the return of the ring any one of those king what did i say ring <laughs> a return of the king whoops i mean technically the whole the whole trilogy is about the return of the ring yeah but, so sure. you're not wrong return of the king yeah spoke too fast have you read any of those no of course you haven't um have no, you seen the course. movies nope oh brian i know I've I, read, no, I read. I read. I read. You're going to hate this. I've seen no Lord of the Rings, no Harry Potter, no. I've seen no fantasy, like trilogy type. Uh, thing. Well, have you've I seen, seen Star Wars? Oh, that's true. But that's, that's sci- is that fantasy or is that sci-fi? Where where my expectations are for you and movie watching, I will give you some points for that because they are very low. Very very low. What's very low? What do you mean? My expectations for you oh, in oh, terms okay, yeah. of watching good movies. Okay, I've seen <laughs> I've seen all nine of the main Star Wars movies. You get points for that. You get points for that. So yeah, I haven't seen the offshoots. I haven't seen what it, Han the Han Solo one. I haven't seen the That's, other you're ones okay. that I you're can't okay. even name. Okay, but yeah, Lord of the Rings writing that would be an undertaking. Uh, Tolkien describes like everything i remember i read i've only read mm. one of them but he was just taking so much time describing a rock i'm like wow. are we still on the rock is it is this still about the rock yep oh wow he's still talking about the rock okay <laughs> yeah yeah that makes yeah. me want to like look up how long other books are now just to get perspective i feel like that i feel like lord of the rings is a long one that's a that's a big one um but yeah i don't know drew i've never really given much serious thought about it i don't know when or how i would even like conceptualize the time to be able to do this. I, so I, would, I would just need to find a book that I know I wouldn't run out of space in. That's my concern. It's like, how do you know, based on your handwriting size, how big of a book you would need? There's, yeah, so I mean, this this I'm like dusting off cobwebs now because there are threads on Fountain Pen Network from like over a decade ago when I was first on there um, where people were talking about that hand, handwriting like long books or writing a novel by hand or whatever where it was like, you know, what should they standardize on something like a cloth bound like Claire Fontaine or something where they could just, you know, have the same size like an A4 cloth bound where you can just like have multiples of them and have more or less a volume where you just kind of keep writing. I think that's a good option. Or some people wanted like loose paper that then they actually take and get bound as a book. Uh, but even even still though, like I don't think you could do that with something like a Lord of the Rings book. I think if you wrote it by hand, it would be so many pages. You couldn't bind it into a single book if you wrote it out by hand. Sounds you know, like we need to find this YouTube channel and watch your videos. I guess so. But interesting, anyway. interesting prompt. What would yeah, you all do? Let neat. us know in the comments. Yeah. Very cool. Um, yeah, so uh, my my feedback that I got here was in response to the teacher pens question uh, that we had from last week. So all of our teachers who are actually using fountain pens. Um, Peter on YouTube says, I'm a middle school teacher, but have gone a bit down the fountain pen rabbit hole. Lots of mini Tootsie Pops. Love it. Kids love those, by the way. I'm sure you know that. Anyway, I use vanishing points too in class because of the efficiency and cl- of click and use. Big fan of that. I keep a battery of moderately priced pens, one for each period, five, 
periods, color-coded by period, Lamy Safari, Pilot Explorer, Platinum, Procyon, etc. for grading. Very cool. So kind of what I was alluding to, which is like keep a nicer pen for your own use and then, you know, maybe ones that you're going to kind of leave around more, you know, color coding them or having some less expensive, reliable ones. I think that's great. I'm glad to hear that, Peter. Um, and then Timothy from also YouTube says, as a professor, I use lots of pens rotating through all. I really like the Diplomat Magnum, Platinum or Pilot uh, for my project journal and planner due to the finer nibs. Okay. Um, anything with a good tip, a uh, good fine tip for grading, for taking notes, for research, I rotate through two to 10 pens and uh, inserted a Drew Cringe in here because he has 15 inked right now at the moment. Well done, sir. Um, says, I write a page, page or two and then switch. And then something nicer in a medium or fine with a blue ink for signing paperwork uh, and letters that I always keep on my desk. I like the Twisby 580 ALR Prussian Blue, Monteverde Rodeo Drive, and of course the Lamy 2000 for that. But what I really would like is an ink called Tears of Students. Students often ask how I grade. I typically say with an ink made from the Tears of Students. That is, that is fantastic. So how about you guys partner with a company and make one? I like red, although have moved uh, away, but open to anything that stands out. Maybe a vibrant purple. <laughs> A red ink tears of students. Does that mean they're like crying like blood? I don't know. That that would be a little bit weird from a like marketing perspective, but yeah, it would need it would need it would need to be blue. <laughs> it would need to be yeah. Like a school blue, you know, the blue uh, that, that cobalt kind of mid-range blue is very yeah. common in schools. That's really interesting. I don't know. That's funny. I'm curious what, what, if other other teachers have had, if that's just uh you know Tim's cleverness there or if that's something that's common among teachers. I wonder which created with tears of students. I wonder which company would be the most likely to produce that ink. Oh, good question. I, I mean, mean Diamond did Writer's Blood, so I wouldn't be surprised mm, if they did it. Maybe. I mean, Noodlers could potentially, but you would need some like. I mean, yeah, there but, would then, be but then deep then, history, like, and you know, there would be some something else going on in there than just this concept. But. Yeah, Nathan would put like a picture of like an actual crying child on the label, and it would disturb everybody, and nobody would probably, want it. Probably, yeah, yeah. I don't know, Organic Studios, maybe. Yeah, that would be a good one. Yeah. But, maybe, then, Robert, but then, but then Oster? it would, but then it wouldn't be able to function on normal paper, and it would like start <laughs> melting whatever you're grading. And well, that would be perfect for kids, and wouldn't it? That's It'd get true. all over everything. <laughs> it would make a huge mess. Oh, good stuff. Well, thanks for the feedback, everybody. Love reading your comments. This is fantastic. And we get plenty of wonderful engagement, except for the the haters there that say that fountain pens suck. But, um, you know, those are very few and far between. Uh, all right, moving on to some new stuff. Uh, we do have some new things that are coming in. Um, one of which is the Lamy Dialogue CC. So uh, the Lamy Dialogue is uh, one of those retractable nib pens that you know, probably isn't known about in the mainstream pen world by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a really cool feat of engineering uh, and works differently than, you know, say a pilot vanishing point uh, and maybe some of the others you've seen. It's a twist retractable and uh, it uh, twists in the middle and the nib comes out. It's got that full Lamy, that 14 karat gold nib that we've talked about before that I love so much. Um, so this basically, but it's kind of long. It's like kind of a 
hot dog shaped looking pen. Um, comes in a couple different colors, but uh, you know, it is really, really cool, but they are coming out with the, the CC version, which is basically, it's a shorter version of it, um, which is pretty cool. So, um, and they got a couple nice colors. They got a white and then they got a blue with rose gold trim, which of course I like the most. So very interesting. So it's in like the mid 300 range uh, as far as price goes. So it's not, you know, by any means a cheap pen, um, but it's well made and it's uh, got a good balance to it. I think it'll be really appealing, especially if you know somebody. If you've ever used a dialogue, uh, regular regular dialogue three, it's really long. It's pretty weighty, and I think the dialogue CC is going to be a little more favorable. And um, it's got a roll stop in the front instead of a clip. So if you've ever found the clip to be kind of obstructive, because these retractable nib pens tend to have the clip at the the end that you hold on the grip end, so that when you hold the pen, you know basically in your pocket, the clip is up, and so is the nib. Um, well, this pen. It's just got a roll stop and it's very unobtrusive. So I think that, um, you know, it's worth a look. Now, I will say Lamy's been pretty disrupted with COVID stuff. And so I think we're going to get, you know, a shipment in and then it's going to be a while before we get more. So I don't want to like overhype it. But if you are super interested in this pen, you know, I think we're we're going to get a very limited amount of them. So just keep that in mind um, in terms of availability. Extra fine, fine and medium nib um, is gonna what's going to be available on that pen. We should have it. Um, late September, early October. We don't have an exact date, but that's what we're looking at. It's up on the site. You can sign up for the email notification list if you are interested. And then uh, another pen that has actually been out for a while. It was kind of just not as much on our radar, but we're going to give it a try, um, is the Pelican Twist. So this is, I think, normally kind of geared for more of a starter pen. I hate to call it a kid's pen, but it's got a little bit of that vibe. It's, I think, just the... I mean, it's interesting. The pen itself literally is like twisted, you know, which is cool. It's an injection molded plastic. It's nothing elaborate, but the grip is really cool. It's a very, very um, distinct triangular grip. So I think that's more where like the kind of starter pen kind of comes in. It's, it's really like if you are trying to get someone to hold the pen in the proper position for writing with a fountain pen, this is one of those pens that will force you to do that. So for that reason, I don't think it's going to be for everybody, but it's a big pen. It's a light pen. I think for people who have um, maybe like hand issues or um, any type of arthritis, carpal tunnel, that type of stuff. And it's just hard for you to write with pens. These are really light. They're very large. And I think that you will enjoy it very much. Um, so it's definitely worth a look. 24 bucks. Not too bad. Does not come with a converter. And that's where we got to talk about these converters, right, Drew? Because you've tested these a little bit. It, it is a standard international pen. So it takes a short and a long cartridge beautifully, which again, these are geared more towards starter, you know, fountain pen users. So the cartridge thing is going to, of course, be more of what they're kind of intended for. And they, they come, come with a long. With a long, yeah. Um, when it comes to a converter, it will lengthwise fit a standard international converter, but I don't know why. And for whatever reason, it's not grabbing. It's just not holding on. The cartridge fits fine, but there's just something about the end of this style of converter that it will not actually grab onto it. So it's really weird. We're, we're talking with them and seeing like, hey, what's up with this? But as Drew's showing here in the video, the, um, I don't know, the less ornate version of the Yeah, there, there's a version. The there's, there's a common version with, with, a, uh, with a metal collar around the tip here. And then there's another version with no metal collar. It's just all one piece of plastic, a little yeah, bit more it's, frosted, it's, less clear. This one seems to work fine. 
This yeah, one it must not. be something with the tip or just the type of plastic that's used on that tip. Just the tolerances on these converters is incredibly small as to whether they will work oh. or not. Oh, I kind of got it. Nope. No? Nope. Yeah, no. We can't get it reliably, certainly. Um, so we, we're kind of just like stuck a little bit in terms of how to say what's the best way to use this pen. Um, it is not eyedropper convertible because the back of the pen has literally holes in it. Um, and so unless you do a serious permanent modification with plugging it up somehow, um, which I wouldn't necessarily recommend, uh, you're going to be using a cartridge or a converter. So for now, I would say plan on refilling in cartridges, which you get a good capacity with a long cartridge and you get one with the pen, so that's fine. But it's a little bit of a bummer that like the converter thing is kind of weird. And so we're, we're debating internally, like do we source out like a different type of converter because the converters that we had, the one that Drew just showed there, it sometimes comes with certain pens. So like you may have some laying around, but it's not something that we currently have available as its own standalone product. We might be able to get it, but it's like, this is a new pen. And if it's like not well-received anyway, are we going to go and source out this whole new converter is going to confuse everybody. And it's just going to be for this one weird pen. We don't know. So we're kind of in just very much like an experimental phase with this Pelican Twist. Um, another kind of bummer is the one standout color for this pen is the Mystic, which is kind of this iridescent color. And of course, they don't have enough stock of it. So like we got, you know, an okay stock of the other ones, but the the, the Mystics are all backordered. So like they're not going to be coming for a month or so. This is like just everything that we're dealing with with COVID life right now. And I think just the demand for these twists, you know, the Mystic was the standout and whatever stock they had at the distributor level has gotten snatched up. And so we didn't even get like a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of what we would need to actually launch that color. So we are going to um, have to wait until they restock. So anyway, but still Pelican Twist, it's a cool pen. It writes really well, medium nib only, but it's really smooth. So like if you can deal with some of the weirdness of it, it's actually a great pen and not bad for the price, you know, but of course there's considerations to be made. And it does post really well too, even though it's twisted like that. It it, it posts. Uh, that one, that blue one, didn't post great. I had to kind of cram it, but it's fitted oh, perfectly. Okay. It's definitely intended to be post. Like it posts surprisingly well. Gotcha. There you go. Okay, so it's got some considerations to be made with it, but still, if you happen to have one, please let us know what you think. If you get one, definitely let us know what you think, because um, we're still in uh, experimental kind of prototype, pr not prototyping, prospecting stage with the, the twist. That's there right. All right, Drew, what you got? Um, another thing that came out this week was the Peniter Avatar in black matte. And mm -hmm. the previous versions of the Avatar have all um, been a little more, uh, not ornate, but they've all had something going on. There hasn't been just kind of like a plain one. So they've had demonstrators more recently, but the black matte is a first for that line. And it looks really nice. It's completely blacked out from head to toe head being the nib, I guess. So the nib is also blacked out. It, it looks really, really good. And um, yeah, everything is uh, has a nice matte black trim. So if that's yeah. your thing, if you thought that the previous iterations of the Avatar were just a little bit too ostentatious for you, then this might be your thing. There you go. Cool. All right, let's move on to some Q&A, shall we? All right, we so nice, we are going to... Kind of a nice, uh, nice meaty one right off the bat here. Yes, huh? yes. The, I need a pillow because we're going to enter into deep dive territory with this one. Um, <laughs> so whomever John is via email, thanks. 
Um, anyway, John was asking a question about light fastness, as Brian teased at the beginning of this episode. John mm. says, I purchased some of your items from your company recently. And, oh, sorry. I purchased some of your items from your company recently, which in turn made me think of a great review slash video idea. So, I wrote a note and affixed it to my front door. It was written on Rhodia notepad paper with my new Lamy LX Ruthenium fountain pen and the included blue ink cartridge. The note is getting direct sunlight. Oh, no, sorry. The note is not getting direct sunlight, but I was mystified by the color fading in the few weeks it's been on the door. Maybe mm. do a series where light fastness of various inks is tested. Paraphrasing. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, That's my, my yeah. notes there. <laughs> it was he, he, a very long email, but he yes, went on. Some paraphrasing going on. Um, while your testing is exemplary, light fastness seems to be ignored by the fountain pen review community, and there's a niche there waiting to be filled. Yes. Oh, there's a there's is a there? di- there is a dive to be deeped here, Drew. Is let there? me tell you. Um, <laughs> so uh, this is really interesting because I did do some deep diving on this nearly a decade ago. And every now and then this issue would kind of pop up and I would just kind of resurface the deep dives of old. Um, and so I, I was really curious because it, it had kind of been a while since I really heard much about this particular topic. Um, so there's, there's several things I could dive into here, but really there's some great information already out there. And I wanted to kind of just touch on this. So just in general, in terms of light fastness, in case you're not familiar with what that term means, I feel like I should just kind of give the baseline here. You're basically talking about how how well will an ink hold up to sunlight or to UV exposure. You know, light fast means will it not fade with exposure to sunlight or to UV in general, right? So in the context here, John posted something on a door which had not direct sunlight, but clearly some kind of sunlight exposure uh, and the ink color faded. So what's up with that? How do we know if an ink is gonna do that, et cetera. So it's, it's the kind of thing that I can say after more than a decade of answering questions and getting feedback from people about this. It's not something that everybody's super concerned about. It's a, it falls into something that's really more of a specialized case for how people are using their fountain pen ink. Um, and so that's really more where we've addressed it before in the past. Um, it's not unlike when people are looking for waterproofness or some other kinds of archivability or some other interesting aspect, unique aspect to an ink that may come up about a little bit. You know, how well does something mix? How well does something, you know, wash if you are coloring over it with water or something like that? It falls into somewhat more of this like artistic realm. Um, so I'll, I'll at least point to the thing, the collaboration that I did back in 2012 um, with an urban sketcher named Jamie Grossman. Um, Hudson Valley Sketches is the name of the blog post uh, that we collaborated together. I didn't actually do the tests, but Jamie had done a bunch of tests and essentially got in contact with me. I provided a whole bunch of, you know, basically samples of all these different inks that had some degree of light fastness, you know, in them or permanence to them, you know, that I remember that. Yeah, yeah, it was a while ago, but um, you know, and Jamie did these tests for like 3 months, 5 months and uh and and reported back and has pictures and everything of the kind of before and after. So it's a great blog post. We'll put a link to it in the YouTube channel. 
Um, so I highly recommend you check it out, but you can just go check out Hudson Valley sketches and look for light fastness and stuff like that. Um, so Jamie did a lot of that work. So uh, from Jamie's tests, the inks that fared the best after five months in direct sunlight was Noodler's Black, uh, Noodler's Black Water Race, which is like the 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 um, the whiteboard ink, the wet yeah. the wet whiteboard ink. Um, that one held up surprisingly well. Uh, Noodler's Kung Ta Cheng, Noodler's Lorraine Mauve, uh, Platinum Carbon Black, Platinum Pigmented Blue, Sailor Nano Black, and Sailor Blue Black. Um, so that makes sense. The platinum and the sailors, those are pigmented inks, and I'll get to those in a second. Um, one that Jamie said was a noticeable color shift, but still held up surprisingly well, was Noodler's Heart of Darkness, Polar Black, X Feather. These are all Noodler's inks. Uh, Lexington Gray, Bad Blue Heron, Luxury Blue, and Polar Blue. And basically all of these have some degree of, whether called Bulletproof or Eternal or something like, there's some degree of permanence you know that's advertised with these inks not necessarily light fastness in and of itself per se with all these inks but these are the ones that were tested there were a bunch of other inks that were also tested that did not fare so well um and jamie gets into that in the blog post but i'm just not going to cover all these different uh colors so the thing i'll say is that the vast majority if not all fountain pen inks are dye based right and dyes basically just don't hold up so great to uv exposure as a whole um even some like old iron gall inks and things like that that were really kind of made to be permanent you know they can last a really long time when they're stored properly but in direct sunlight it's just not going to do so great if you think about like the constitution the declaration of independence these documents are only a couple hundred years old and the only reason they can even be on display is because they're under like this protected glass and they're like stored in some gas that keeps like the paper from degrading and all this kind of stuff. Basically, it's just not the right medium for archivability with displaying with UV exposure because UV is just really powerful and really harmful to everything it touches. It's radiation. That's literally what you're talking about. So if you are wanting some degree of display art permanence, it's really just the wrong medium. You're trying to do something that really shouldn't be done. I mean, when you're talking about, if you're a painter, there's, you're, you're using pigments, there's physical particulate that is helping to prevent the UV exposure from breaking down that paint, breaking down that canvas. Even still, that stuff needs to be under consideration. Um, but both the paper itself and the fountain pen ink, the dye-based stuff, it just, does not hold up great even in a relatively short period of time when you're talking about archivability a matter of weeks or a matter of months that is not a long time and this stuff degrades really quickly um you know when you're talking like art grade pigment inks like you know oil-based inks and stuff like that you're talking like 50 100 hundreds of years where you don't have degradation and those are only like particular specially made like kind of paints and stuff like that um and it's just a whole different category of colorant <laughs> than what you have in fountain pen ink um because you just i mean the, the ones that fare well like those pigmented inks the reason they do well is because they have a particulate in there that is going to keep it from happening so those will hold up pretty okay that would be my safest bet but even still then the paper is going to be an issue over a long period of time so 
I wouldn't, you know, that there's like a heavy caveat that needs to have with the whole thing. So that right there with, with John's suggestion of like, we should do a bunch of tests and this and kind of advertise. I'm like, well, none of the manufacturers really advertise light fastness because frankly, they shouldn't because it's not the right medium. And it's kind of a niche thing that people are interested in to do the tests takes freaking forever, you know, and then even still it's all going to degrade. Like, I just know that there's nothing, we can have varying degrees of this one won't be quite as bad as your average one, but it's still going to degrade over a certain period of time. So it's just, it's a kind of thing that's like really tough for us to really test for, um, for this kind of specific use. So I, I've always touted, if you want something for archivability, you can have that, but you're going to need to, to use, you know, a permanent ink of some kind you know, as pH neutral as possible, use pH neutral acid-free paper and basically store it out of sunlight. Keep it in a notebook that's closed, store it in a cool, dry, dark place to make it last as long as possible. Minimize moisture exposure, minimize extreme temperatures, especially heat, if you want that thing to last as long as possible. And it will last a really long time if you do all of that. But if you have something on display hanging up in your house or hanging up somewhere, it's just not gonna last years and decades you know, no matter what you do, no matter what ink you use pretty much, because that's not what it's for. Um, the thing I will say is there have been some inks that have come out since those original tests, like the Diatramentis document inks. Those did not exist at that time. I do not know how those fare. So there may be people out there that have done tests since then. Nobody that I've been like directly affiliated with. So I don't have a specific source to point you to, but I'm sure you could do some searching if you wanted to see how those hold up. Um, but that is pretty much uh, where we're at right now. So I would say, um, you know, look for a different medium, you know, look for, if you're just looking for something less bad, you know, go with something that is a darker permanent ink. Blacks tend to do the best, um, cause they're going to be the darkest, most saturated. A pigmented ink is going to definitely going to be the best. Um, the blues, like the Lamy blue that John was talking about here, they actually tend to do pretty bad. Most, most blues, blue dyes in general tend to be pretty weak uh, and they will fade the worst. That's why he was seeing even in non-direct sunlight after a couple of weeks was seeing the color start to fade a little bit, um, which funny enough, years ago, Lamy blue ink used to be, well, no, the blue black used to be iron gall. They changed that mm, eight years ago or so. So now it's just a regular ink, but the regular Lamy like cartridge blue ink. Yeah, it's just not, it's not gonna hold up in direct sunlight nor do they advertise that it will. So I would be challenged to go through all that testing and then advertise anything about it because basically none of it's gonna be, <laughs> none of it's gonna be what people would want if they were specifically searching for it for that purpose. So I'm curious, what are y'all's thoughts? If y'all have any desire to know this attribute for how you use your ink, um, if you have any resources that you've relied upon, I I've found that the ones who really care the most about this are the urban sketchers, watercolor artists, people that are using it for artwork. They're the ones who really have done these tests and you know care the most about this kind of thing. Um, and that's just not your your typical use case for fountain pen ink. And so it's like that's not you know the bulk of who we cater to in our store. So it might be more confusing to even have that information on our site for the most majority of our customers. So I'm curious if this is something maybe, maybe, you know, every few years I like to bring it up and ask and like, is this something that really matters to you all? Because it's going to take a ton of work and the result's going to be, I don't know, <laughs> but we're always open to feedback and just wanted to give you that information and then see what you all think about it. And now Drew can wake up and I can ask him a question. <laughs> <sighs>
Does that matter to you at all, Drew? Is this like any factor that ever crosses your mind when using an ink? No, no, God, not at all. Properties <laughs> do not matter at all to me. I just want it to look pretty. Yeah, I think that's pretty I, much. I, I don't. I don't write. Any, I don't. I don't write anything to keep. Like I don't keep any any of my writing. I mean, I, I, I'm working on a journal right now, but the times I've referenced it is it's more or less a memory journal than a reference journal. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Cool. All right. Next question. This is from Sousa.Jesse on Instagram. Pens or ink you would like to exist? For example, Lamy 2000 in Dark Lilac. Mm. So we get the daydream yeah. a little bit here, Drew. Yeah. When I saw this, the immediate first thing I thought of was like, well, a Dark Lilac 2000, obviously. That's brilliant. I want one of those, please. And thank you. And of course, think, if I think about the Dark Lilac at all, I think of the petrol because petrol Lamy uh, uh, 2000 Ooh. would also look really good. And yeah. I always put like a a, um, a green black in my inks, like El Lawrence, but pretty soon I think I'm going to put diamond green black in here. So that would actually be perfect for me because that's always been kind of the color theme that I've paired with my 2000 for whatever reason. Mm. Um, but uh, and then of course I'm thinking about 2000s that I want, and I thought like a Micarta 2000 would be amazing. Ooh. Like. Ooh. Oh God, yeah, that would be so super cool. Mm. So anyway, getting out, but then I'm like, okay, what about Safari? So I just kept on this Lamy kick as soon as I saw this question, and I was like, well, you know, the dark lilac, the petrol Safari, the charcoal, um, those have that kind of that textured matte look. Yeah, a, yeah. A brown one of those would be really cool. They had they have done that as Not, a re regional exclusive. I know they had that one with the teddy bear on there, but that's, that one wasn't that's the one. That, that one yeah. wasn't textured though, was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was? that one was that one was everything that you're looking for. Yeah. Oh, with a teddy bear. Yeah. It was oh. for a it was for a specific like branded thing. I forgive yeah, me for and, not knowing the details on it. It, was, it wasn't a, anything available in the US. It's been around for a long time though, so I feel like you've had ample time to gift me that pen and you've chosen not to. So Well, we uh, never had it here, Drew. Like now it's it's an out is of Is that is that the limits of an, our friendship, Brian? It's it's Oh, yeah, there's definitely limits just, to our friendship. Drew. We have a you we have a that. continental we have a continental that that's where it stops right there. As soon as as soon as the ocean hits, it's like this is as much yeah, as I'm as willing as, to do. As soon as I'm inconvenienced, that's where our <laughs> friendship ends. There's like I'm not going out of my wow. way. To well, you know that's not true. I have, <laughs> I have given you some really cool pens. You have, but not have. that one. Yeah, no, um, not that one. Very cool. And then, then finally, I thought that uh, a custom seventy four or a Sailor Pro Gear. So anything, any like really iconic Japanese pen, but with an American manufactured uh, resin, like something that uh, either Sean Newton or Jonathan Brooks could come up with, like a nice swirly poured resin, but in the shape of an iconic. Japanese staple. I think that would be amazing. It was a uh, line line friends. That's what it was. That was the thing. Yeah, it came. Cool. It's a brown. Just, yeah, just a, click add to brown. cart. Actually, the pen itself doesn't have a bear on it. It came with like a little bear that was like separate from the pen. So. I, th I thought it was one of those like little like rubbery things that just slid onto the clip, kind of like that, that yeah. Pikachu. Yeah, and it also came with like a separate bear that maybe is like a pen stand or something. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Oh, they oh, there's some around. They're not crazy. I mean, it's like $130. I don't know for a safari, but if I sold all of anyway. my safaris, I could get one. What about you? Yeah, there's there's some on eBay. Let's see here. I'm just kind of like poking around now. Oh, that's not even it. That's the Minions one, which is also kind of uh. cool. Um, yeah, $130. That seems to be kind of the going rate. $130, $140. This one's 80 
I've seen worse. I've seen worse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if if you could, if anybody would pay, I mean, you'd pay 80 for a retro rollerball. Why not a Safari? Fair enough. What Um, about you? What what sort of things popped into your brain when you heard this question? I I had the same reaction that you had. As soon as I saw your notes in here about the 2000, I just immediately thought of 2000s. Um, I would love to have a clear demo 2000 to see like all the parts inside and Uh see the ink sloshing around. That would be really cool. Because it's a little bit mysterious what's going on in there, but I would love to see a clear 2000. Uh, It'll never happen, but it'd be cool. Um, Or going with the, the 2000 kick, I think going with like a G10, like that cool like material they have for uh, like knife handles, that would be yeah. cool. Or like a volcanic resin, like having the Homo sapiens or an ebonite or something with like a really cool, you know, kind of uh, textured kind of uh, feel to it. Something with a little grab. That would be really awesome. Um, you know, I'll be honest, there's, it was so open-ended. I like just kind of froze. I didn't have a lot of great ideas. I only thought of like pens that already exist that I was like, oh, they'd be cool in this color. Um, I think because I'm just like mentally tapped out and I just had no creativity left in me. But um, I would love to have a custom 823 that is like a blue demo like the custom 74. So, mm. you know, I love the 823, but if there were more color options of that or like a dark teal, you know, custom 823 with rhodium trim, that would be pretty sweet. So I would definitely be into that. Once again, brown's all you need. Just saying. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Just saying. I don't know. Technically, that's amber. So I don't know that that's, uh, I don't know if that counts. (laughs) All right. What, what, amber is like an orangey brown. All right. What part of this, what part of this says orangey brown to you? None. Zero. There is not amber. And also the finial and the grip section, 100% brown. Thank you very much. That is true. That is true. So what what pen, okay, Drew, going off of that, what would you name that 823? What color, if amber is not the best, the most appropriate color, what should that be? Brilliant brown. Oh, my gosh. That might be trademarked <laughs> by Pelican. <laughs> Just for you, buddy. Just made for of, you. Made of precious resin. <laughs> Just, yes. Just for you. Precious brilliant brown. There you go. Uh, oh, my gosh. Okay. I've been called that several times. Yes, yes. All Trans- right. Okay, transparent brown next. or something. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> next, next up. Moving on. All right. Vince says, hi, I feel this question would be great for Brian and Drew to answer during a future pencast. Well, here we, we are, agree. Vince. <laughs> In a limited and numbered edition release, which number would you choose? Does the number have a special meaning? Hmm. Well, for me, Drew, I always Drew look... Does. I always look for 84 or 1984 because it was the best year ever. There's a lot of great humans that were made that year. That's right. At least two. Um, I do have an 84 on my cake versus pie pen because cake is better than pie. Yes, Um, you do. I have a 1984. Who set that one aside for you specifically, Drew? Who who made sure that you got that one? I don't know. Some jabroni. Hmm? Um, Who did you just criticize about not... (laughs) Going out of their way to get you special pen things. You know, you know who else helped me out. Um, actually, I think you might have actually gone dug through and found that number, and I was just like, "Oh, I good, m- you got it." Okay, yeah. I, I might have. Um, it's kind of a collaborative effort there. And then, uh, um, 
uh, Matthew Morse and um, uh, Catherine, uh, who worked on the Bump in the Night retro, without even asking, they got me number 184. So that's nice. another version of, uh, you know, 1984. And then I have a uh, Monteverde um, Innova, and that's 1984 as well. Nice. I might, I might have a couple more. I'm de- I, definitely, I definitely do seek out. It's hard to get the full 1984 because, first of all, there have to be at least 1,984 pens made. Yeah. And then when you have that many pens made, it's hard to nail down that specific number because it's one out of, you know, close to 2,000 or more. So depending on where it's coming from and where it's going, you may not even be able to get that number because who knows where it went. Um, Because little point of fact here, when you get these limited edition numbers, if it's a retailer exclusive, like we are buying the whole lot of them, well, yeah, then we have all the numbers. But usually with limited editions, we don't know what we're getting. We don't have any control over it. Um, We just kind of get, and it's not even like it comes in the same block. Um, Especially when you're talking fountain pens, you have different nib sizes in there. So when the manufacturers actually assemble the pens, you know, say it's a, I'll just, for the ease of rounding, let's say it's a hundred pens. Let's say they have extra fine, fine, medium, and broad. They may go one through 25 is extra fine. 26 through 50 is fine, you know, and then medium and broad and so on. So you may want a specific number or we may want a specific number, but it might be the wrong nib size. And depending on the pen, we may not be able to swap it out, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it does get very difficult to cherry pick specific numbers. And it depends a lot on the manufacturer and the name and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, but Drew always finds a way to try to get his 84 in there in some fashion. So now let me ask you, Drew, say you have, uh, I don't know, 500 pens available. Would you be happy with like 384 or 484? Or would it have to be 84? Uh, 384 would be my birth month and year. So yeah, I would happily oh, do 384. Okay, 284, how do you feel about that? Or 180? Mm. 184, you'd be happy with that because that's got, you're just missing the nine. Exactly. I mean, honestly, anything with 84, but I have like the Innova, like I knew we had 1984 and that may have contributed to my actually purchasing the pen. <laughs> so, is that the reason you bought the pen? Is because it had it's those It's not the reason. Uh, the, uh, the affordability, yeah, I mean, the, the part pen of the was reason. a steal. That's part of the reason. Yeah, it was part of the reason. Yeah. It went in. <laughs> nice. Uh, you know, you would think. I, I'm, I'm, you know, of the two of us, I definitely have jumped more sharks on the pen collecting side of things. Um, that's a bad analogy. It's not really appropriate, but I, I have, I've gone deeper into the pen collecting side of things, um, which makes sense, right? Um, but I definitely have some specific numbers and I'm kind of like anybody else. Like having a low number is always cool. I like having round numbers. So, you know, if there's, you know, a uh, hundred pens having number 100 is cool or having number, you know, 50 out of a hundred is, is cool as opposed to 47 or whatever. Um, I don't have any superstitions around any particular numbers. Even, you know, I used to want to get like a low number or like a specific, like number one or something is really cool. But honestly, in recent years, I've actually shied away from those more desirable numbers because I want, you know, actual like pen fans, pen collectors to have those numbers and not hoard them for myself. Like I just me. don't really feel like that's fair. Well, no one else wants 84, so you're fine. You're not taking anything from anybody else. My Santa one. Jaws is 84 too. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I'm, lately I've been more just like whatever, whatever 
is the least desirable for everybody else. It's like I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have the pen. I'm gonna enjoy it anyway. The number is not you know as particular for me though. I will say this is a little little secret kind of side note thing. Most of the pens, like for example, you've got some retro fifty ones there. So we always have. Um, when we are when we're doing an exclusive, we get uh, what are called artist proofs. So basically, you get a sample of the pen made up in advance to make sure that it looks good. And sometimes there's a couple, you know, iterations you have to do, or you're debating between trims. Um, so lately, those are actually the pens that I've hoarded for myself because they're not in circulation. So it's I guess in in a way even more special because there's there's basically only one of them, and sometimes they're like, you know there's a typo or there's there's something weird going on and it's a sample it's not meant for public circulation but those are more the ones that i would take in my collection and then it's only if like i need to have it for reference in a video for publicity's sake that i would then take a numbered one um, but otherwise i'm usually happy just to keep the keep the proofs yeah my uh abominable is a proof nice cool there you go well all right <clears throat> love to know what what all I know some people it's like oh yes it's my birthday or it's my kid's birthday or my the year of my anniversary or whatever please let us know in the comments what numbers you all tend to gravitate to or if you don't really care or whatever it's I always find it fascinating to hear why people are drawn to certain numbers um, and it can make a difference between some people like Drew with his 1984 uh, whether or not they'll choose to get a pen so all right next question we have is from James and I know we all want to hear what James has to say he says, hi, Brian and Drew. Sometimes I get paper fibers caught in my nib, especially when using my vanishing point extra fine nib on cheap paper. Well, that makes sense. This causes extra broad, unwieldy pen strokes until I clean off the nib. What's the best way to prevent this from happening when I can't control the paper that I'm using? And what's the best way to clean up the nib when it happens? So basically what he's explaining is that you know, the pen is is essentially like pulling up the fibers actually from the paper. It's getting stuck in between the tines and you're getting kind of like a felt tip pen kind of result where the ink is trying to flow through, but you got this wad of fibers in there and it's just giving you a big like blob of ink that's writing and it's not your, your, your tip, the nib tip is not what's actually touching the paper. It's like this fibrous blob. And so what do you do with that? How do you clean it up? And Drew, I know you got some thoughts. Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, how to clean it, brass sheets. Um, we sell them. Um, they're really affordable. They're really great. And when you you can just keep trimming them down until you have something about this small, which is what I have right now because I've used it so yeah. much. Um, but they really do last for a long time. And they are meant to floss your tines. So mm -hmm. usually uh, I recommend going in from the back of the nib so you don't risk scratching up the finish on the face of the nib. But yeah. you just go in, pull out. It's just like flossing your teeth. You... um can remove any sort of particles that get mixed up in between your tines there. So definitely clean using that. It's not a bad idea. And then as far as avoiding it, if you cannot control the type of paper you're using, especially if you are a fan of the extra fine nib, you are going to need to be a little bit careful with your pressure. If you are pushing down too hard, mm -hmm. you're going to open up those tines and open tines tend to dig up paper a little bit more if they're not. Um, and if you're, um, uh, if your alignment is off too, if one tine is lower than the other, on really, really soft paper, you might not notice a difference. Um, on paper that grabs a little bit more, you're going to feel that. So if you notice that it's more digging into your paper left to right or right to left, that's a good sign that your tines are out of alignment and you're going to want to bring one of those down to match the other. So, um, yeah, and uh, if, the, if your nib is tuned properly, you shouldn't need to be pushing down a lot. And if you're not... 
um, pushing down, then uh, if your pen is as it should be, alignment-wise, it shouldn't really be digging into any paper unless you're writing on like papyrus or something like that. Uh, a pen that's well-tuned and you're not pushing down on it shouldn't be digging up anything. Yeah. It can be tough when there's really extra fine names and that, that, that vanishing point one gets pretty darn fine. It does. Um, what I find personally, I tend to use too much pressure with a really, really fine nib because I'm trying to make it be a broader nib than it's meant to be. You know what I mean? So it's like when it's really, really extra fine, it shouldn't take any pressure to write properly. It's not gonna feel smooth. Like you only have so much surface area with these really fine nibs. Some of these might be 0 0.1, 0 0.2 milliliters, milliliters, Lord, <laughs> millimeters. So it's it's really not much contact that it's making with the paper, and uh, it's just gonna it's gonna have some feedback to it. I personally tend to love broader nibs that are smoother and that type of thing. So when I write with a really fine nib, I need to slow down. I need to just enjoy the experience of that feedback that comes naturally with a really fine nib, especially if the paper is not super smooth. Um, so I would maybe experiment. If you can't control the paper, maybe experiment. Like Drew said, be very conscious of your writing pressure lighten up on the pressure, maybe play with the pen angle a little bit too. The steeper the pen, the scratcher is gonna feel, especially with an extra fine nib like that. Um, so try lowering your pen angle a little bit, that might help. Um, and then try your ink too. Maybe if you have an ink that flows just a little bit wetter, it'll be more satisfying to you and you'll lighten up on your own pressure. So you might need to hack your own self a little bit, um, playing around with some different options there. Um, and then the other little thing that Drew basically covered a lot of great stuff. The other thing I would say is watch out for the rotation of the pen in your hand. Mm. With something like a vanishing point, it's pretty distinctive. You got that clip that's right there. So you can pretty much tell that that clip is in line with the nib and it's you're not likely to over rotate that one. But sort of like when Drew was talking about having the nib kind of misaligned or maybe like one of the tines kind of dragging. If the pen is over rotated in your hand one direction or the other, that can put more pressure on one tine than the other. And then if you think about the writing um, you know, feedback, the toothiness of whatever that nib is. If your pen is over rotated, you basically then only have one tine making contact with the paper, which is essentially gonna cut your writing pad, your writing surface in half. So that already really fine nib is gonna feel even toothier, which and then when it's angled like that, you can then write with more pressure, it digs up the paper, it's kind of scoops it right in there. So watch out for the rotation too. You get a lot of little tweaks and things and stuff that you can play around with in doing this uh, without having to change, you know, physical like things like, you know, different nib sizes and things like that. Lastly, I'll say maybe you should try a fine nib and it wouldn't pull up that paper so much. If you just exhaust every other resource, you know, since this is one where you can get a spare nib unit or maybe you have another vanishing point, you can swap it out. If you try a fine nib on it, maybe that actually gives you a better consistent more end result and you don't have to jump through all these extra hoops to get your extra fine. The fine the fine is also quite fine. So that could also be an option for you. One thing that I always find myself doing when I switch between a medium or an extra fine is I change the size of my letters. I always write much more small with an extra fine. And a lot of that is because if I do big swooping strokes like I would if I was writing with a medium or a broad, just because I kind of have to, if you don't want the ink to kind of smush together, if you want your E's to be open and not just kind of like lumpy weird messes, you do need to write a little bit bigger, right? But if I wrote that same way with an extra fine, I feel like the tactile feeling is going to be a little bit scratchy. So I always do, you know, uh, 
decreased the size of my letters a lot, and that seems to help um, me as far as it feeling scratchy or not. I wrote down lumpy weird messes as a potential uh, title for this video, Drew. Just I uh... mean, that's a lot of my writing. <laughs> I, 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 all my writing is lumpy weird messes. Any, any, no letter looks the same. Anyway. I'm, wild, I'm wildly inconsistent myself as well. Yeah. But. Awesome. Anyway, um, we've got another question here from Kimberly on YouTube. She says, hi. Hello, Kimberly. A few months ago, I started using fountain pens for journaling. Yay! I write as fast as I think, usually causing mistakes. Hmm. My question is, what do you do when correcting writing mistakes? Just scratch it out and move on? Is there such a thing as fountain pen-friendly whiteout? I usually just use whiteout tape, but the extra fine nib of my Eco doesn't work well with it. Thanks. Mm. 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 This is a great question. If it were me, it depends on who's going to see it. So if I'm writing in my journal, if I'm writing notes for myself, if I accidentally put an E before an I or vice versa, I'll leave it because I know that word is supposed to be friendly uh, or believe. I'm not going to worry about it. I'd rather it be wrong than look bad um, personally. Mm. But if it's for somebody else, uh, if I'm writing a letter, if it's toward the beginning of the letter, I'll scratch it and move on. But if it's like toward the end, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to redo this thing. So I'll just kind of like draw a little square around it and be sad. But uh, I'm also not a very aesthetic writer. I don't decorate or have a set style or, you know, I don't set out to have pleasing aesthetics in my journaling. So um, it's more uh, more utilitarian. Yeah, I think that's probably where most fountain pen users fall. Um, you know, it's different if you're, say, in like the calligraphy world, because there you're you know, if you're writing place cards for, you know, some fancy dinner or wedding or something like that, well, that's different. You don't want any mistakes. So you're either going to like toss that thing and start it over, or you're going to find some way to kind of correct it and all that. But, you know, it's something that I've, I've, I've always wondered, like, how do people do this? I think most people fall into your camp, Drew. Most people who are writing with fountain pens, it's mostly for their own notes and their own stuff. You know, most people, it's like, if you're writing with a regular ballpoint or a rollerball pen, most people are just like scratching it out and moving on anyway. I don't know personally, I don't know a lot of people that are like really obsessive about whiting out every mistake they have to make it perfect. They just like scratch it out and keep on. Well, I was thinking that there's probably a lot of fountain pen users who (coughs) do have a much more attractive journal who, you know, use stickers and washi tape and things like that. You know, I can imagine having those tools at your disposal would also give you a more creative way to kind of uh, cover up some of those things or make them happy little mistakes like oh look here's here's a here's a pikachu sticker now right there at the end of my sentence who knows go. why it's there but it's pikachu so who cares you that's know? right that's what yeah. i would do if i had a lot of like fun stickers and stuff like that i just i would find a way to just say okay you know what gonna make a happy little tree out of this and um bob, bob ross my mistake into something more attractive there you go um yeah i think uh, there's these things out there called ink eradicators um, which are, it's more of a tool that's used in schools. Um, and it's a, sort of like a whiteout type thing. I've never actually used one. I've seen them around, but like they're not really widely available in the US and not really something that a lot of people know about. It's much more of like a European thing, I think. Um, you know, please, if you have experience with ink eradicators, post in the comments because I would love to learn more. But, um, you know, they're basically kind of like a whiteout-ish kind of marker. And then it has a... Um, I guess it's sort of like a felt tip sort of thing that 
that is basically like a royal blue color to white to write back over whatever the mistake was the idea being that if you're using like a royal blue or something which is kind of the standard for fountain pen colors in schools especially in europe uh that this ink eradicator would be a way to correct that mistake that would then kind of match or like mask it you're, it's not a fountain pen per se but it's sort of a tool that can then you know make it more of a seamless you know cover up and then you can keep on writing with your fountain pen and it looks a little more transitional i guess um I guess you could do the same thing with whiteout or with, you know, like a whiteout tape or something like that and just use a blue felt tip or whatever felt tip marker that kind of closer matches your whatever ink color that you're using. Um, but I personally am not aware of like a super great option for a whiteout type of thing that will accept fountain pen ink, mainly because, you know, whiteout's going to be like a, it's like a paste. It's like a glue. It's not, it's like, it's kind of impermeable. It's, it's not really meant to absorb because if it did, it would like absorb the ink that it's trying to cover up and it would not do its job. It's meant to basically be kind of like paint that you're putting over top of it. And then anything you try and write over top, you're not going to be able to use the same, you know, kind of water-based ink and have it, you know, perform. So I think that's why this ink eradicator thing kind of exists, whatever the heck kind of solvent-based, you know, liquid that they have in that eradicator is meant to you know, kind of stick onto whatever that whiteout type stuff is. Um, so again, there's no like great option I've had. I think there's like some of the whiteout like tapes that you can get, like the things are, are a little more like paper based instead of just like the pasty kind of glue, like whiteout, like the traditional whiteout you think of. I think some of the tapes do okay, maybe a little better with fountain pen ink, but I, I can't recall off the top of my head, like one specific brand or type or thing that, that does great. Um, so anyway, that, that could be an option, something to explore. Um, I personally just scratch it out and just keep on going. Uh, again, like Drew, most of my notes are for myself or if they're going to somebody else, you know, I just take a different approach to it. I think, you know what, like I could easily send a text or type something or whatever and have it look <laughs> perfect. Like it's actually the flaws that show that I, as a human, wrote this letter. You know what I mean? So for for when I'm trying to send a message to someone else or write a note, I mean, of course, if it's terrible and I say something really off base or offensive or completely just awful, that doesn't happen a lot. But you know, usually it's like, you know, I'm I drop my pen and like it kind of splatters ink on it, or I often it's I spell things wrong, like you said, to receive marriage. You know, all these words that I just mix up the I and the A and the E and the, all that kind of thing. I can't remember it. Um, and so I'll often mix that up. Or if I'm writing in cursive, if I'm writing the word community, I'll have like 17 humps in the middle there because like <laughs> yeah. the M and the U and the N and all that. I'm just like, come across something, dot something and move <laughs> on to the next word, you know, but uh, yeah, I just, I don't sweat it too much. So uh, when I receive a letter, I actually love the most when, somebody does like what you described drew where you make a mistake you point it out and like put some kind of comment like dough or you know whoops or have like a little picture of a person that's like you know jumping off of it or you know playing with it a little bit like hey i'm human but here's my personality coming out in my mistake that to me just like brings a smile to my face more than you know anything else of course if you see like beautiful handwriting in this nice letter i'm like wow that's really impressive you know that stands out for sure but in terms of like 
personal correspondence. I, I really appreciate when people inject that personality into it. So I don't ever judge anybody for having a lot of mistakes because I have a lot of my own and I just let them fly. Well said. Cool. All right, Drew, we have a hypothetical, I think maybe for the first time that neither of us has come up with. <laughs> this is a hypothetical that was proposed by Joey89 on YouTube. And I'll let you ask mine because we technically have two different ones that are in the same vein. So and Joey I, wants Brian to discuss if he had to give up one of the following puzzles, which include connects and Lego, mm, as well mm. as Rubik's cubes, or fountain pens. Which would you give up and why? Okay. Well, I have actually all of these things all over my desk as we're shooting here. Not because I'm shooting it. It's just stuff that's like landed here. Can, can I, so can I, I make up an imaginary... Can I make up an imaginary boundary that this Joey89 did not give us? Sure. I got this one. If we <laughs> could not... Just the ones within reach. Oh, and then this one. This is one of my favorites right here. What on one. earth? Yeah. These are just the puzzles that I have within arm's reach. F four of them. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, and I have, I have my Lego Technics uh, Dom's charger right here that I showed a couple pen casts ago that hasn't moved. It's chilling right here. So I literally have all these things within arm's reach. <laughs> um, so I'm going to put some rails on this because if we gave up fountain pens altogether, neither of us mm. would have a career. If Brian didn't do fountain pens, literally yeah. it would put like, you know, maybe like two dozen people out of a job. That kind of swayed um, it for me a little bit. Well, so, maybe not immediately. I would just have to fake it for a while. We would have to create some, you know, some version of the pen cast that would just piece together old footage of me because I've got thousands of videos out there. So I wouldn't be able to touch pens anymore, but you would just have to like stitch together right. like individual words so, of things I've said in the past. Obviously, if I have to choose between like, you know, my career or something like that, that that's kind of a, so so let's let's say that for the sake of making it a little easier to debate that, okay. you know, you'd be able to use them for work purposes only. Mm. Like nothing creative or fun or personalized. Like Ooh. you'd be able, you'd be able to do your nib nook, um, or research for a video, but that'd be pretty much it. Mm. So that that's what I because otherwise it, we're both just okay. gonna be like, well, yeah, fountain pens because oh, I'd man. like to have a job, please and thank you. That's such a tough question because that is just like so hard to separate out from my reality because i just i have been doing this full-time plus for 12 plus years yeah um i don't know what life would look like with that actually so my my initial thought before that caveat there was that yeah i would definitely keep fountain pens because that's my career that's my livelihood that's my family everything so i i provide for many many people <laughs> through the yeah. fountain pens um i do greatly enjoy the fountain pens Dang, this is really hard. Um, so I, I will have to really heavily nuance this whole question. If I was using fountain pens for work, that would satisfy a lot of my fountain pen like desires, right? So it would be easier for me to give up the fountain pens in my personal life, though I would not enjoy it, you know? the puzzles and all that kind of stuff that's like stuff i do with my kids that would be really hard to give up and that's part of my childhood too whereas fountain pens were not part of my childhood so i would still have fountain pens in my life in the work and i feel like that could satisfy 
enough of it to where it would feel like less of a loss maybe. But at the same time, I've gone through phases where I haven't used puzzles, where I haven't used Legos, you know, especially literally while we were building this business, especially in the early days, I gave up everything else while I was making videos, doing pens, all that kind of stuff. I gave up, honestly, if he'd said tools, that would be even harder because uh, you know me, Drew, I'm really into tools. Uh, I do a lot of repair work around the house and these kinds of things. So tools I would have a really hard time giving up too. That actually would probably be a better one, tools or fountain pens. Um, so I, I'll say I'll say I would give up fountain pens, but in reality, I don't. I feel like I, I feel like I would have such a hard time actually saying I would only use them for work because the work and personal life is so blurred. That line is so blurred for me. I don't know how I would actually distinguish those two. You know what I mean? So. I'm actually going to completely backpedal on what I said. I think I would keep the fountain pens just because I would have such a difficult time distinguishing what is my work and personal. I would just go all in on fountain pens because that's what I've done for 12 years. And I've, I've puzzled more and less here and there. I've used like Legos and toys and other things. That's all just kind of fun stuff. But the, the fountain pen thing is both fun and has been my career, my livelihood, and it's everything I'm kind of known for. So I, I would hang on to the fountain pen thing. I would have, I would lose so much of my identity probably if I had to give that up even if it was just doing it for work, if I had to give it all like more of that up, that would be, that would be tough. That'd be tough. Good question though. Wow. Gosh, this is, ugh, this is a miserable hypothetical. <laughs> I don't want to have to think this hard. <laughs> these are, these are really tough situations, but anyway. All right. So Drew, for you, um, your caveat to this whole thing was if you had to give up either video games, including all of your consoles or fountain pens, which would that be and why? I mean, like, so like I mentioned, if I would have to like give up my job, like I wouldn't be able to function in this role. If Your job if, literally is like playing with pens every yeah, day. Yeah, I don't, I would not be able to function. So that being said. Same caveat though, like you, like you gave to me, if it was, you could do your job, but nothing beyond like what was asked of you for pens. Honestly, like I don't even. You're not allowed to enjoy them. I don't even need, I don't need, I, I truthfully don't even need the caveat because I would give up fountain pens either way. I would give up my job. I'm sorry, Brian, but you can't take video Dang. games away from me. Oof. All right. Sorry. You, you could, I could, I'll, 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 I'll be the custodian at Goulet pens, but, uh, maybe if I, maybe if I'd given you more special pens, maybe if I'd gone out of my way, that's it. If you have given me that brown um, safari, I would be like, well, fountain pens, of course, because I have this brown safari, but now I'm not saying yeah. that I'm saying video games all day long, man. You know, no, you, I, you, I have you had, reap, you reap what you sow, Drew. I guess I've, I've chosen my path and. <laughs> Made my bed and now I gotta sleep in it. Yeah. Um, no, video games have been such a big part of my life for all of my life, and I have dedicated so many hours of my life to, you know, collecting and playing. Like that's uh, it's no, that's it, that is my most long-lived hobby. Something I'm still doing. Um, you know, I've had plenty of random hobbies, plenty of little random collections, rabbit holes I've gone down, and. Uh, the space that video games make up within mm. me is is much larger than any other hobby, including fountain pens. Um, <clears throat> I would, it's like one of those things that I can see myself like always finding solace in. It's my happy place. When I'm an old man, I'm gonna be playing old man games. Like I am, I'm glad I have them. And I think that if they were removed from me, I would be missing a big chunk of what brings me joy and respite so, so uh, yeah. what are what are old man games we have yet to I'm find curious. out because the generation that grew up with um video games has yet to enter mm. the geriatric zone 
Okay. I but mean, uh, you, there will eventually be games made for old people. Like the people like us who grew up with a Nintendo that, you know, kids are going to be like, oh man, that's an old man game. That's a game made for old people. Who knows what they're going to look like? They're probably going to be just kind of, you know, uh, reminiscent of kind of classic games. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe there won't be a difference. Maybe that's going to be the one thing mm. that uh, unites all of society. I mean, some of the games that my kids play now, I'm like, this is giving me a headache. Like, I can't. There you I go. can't play that game. Like, uh, Joseph plays Sonic Dash. Have you ever seen that? On, It's like one of those endless runner, you know, games. Oh, where, yeah. And, you know, there's just so much happening and just like rings are everywhere and there's enemies all over the place and he's running and jumping mm. and i'm just like this is like too much like i'm yeah. not enjoying this no thank you i think that maybe um games as they're trending now are trending toward a little bit more instant gratification a little quicker very fast paced mm. long form narrative games with a lot of dialogue and a long long drawn out story i think are mm. less common um so i'm thinking maybe that will be the the de facto old people game like mm. you know like old you know rpgs or something i don't know we'll, Interesting. we'll find out okay stick with enough. us <laughs> i'll let you know because you're you're more into them than i am i'm less invested i've kept up less with recent video games so i'll probably be more into the old man games before you are drew so i will let you know <laughs> i'll let you know I haven't bought it. Might, it, might, it might just be the difference between old people play consoles and you know the young people play whatever is you know attached to their retina at the moment yeah whatever computer chip they get implanted into their brain and mm -hmm. i'm like, like no i need a controller with a cord attached to it i mean a little bit i am picky about which controllers i use the kids know that i can't use those little joy cons on the switch like no freaking way like those things are too small and i cramps my hand up and i'm like no i need like the big fat controller like original xbox like that like meaty sega dreamcast that was like my favorite controller that thing was like grabbing a dinner plate it was just like <laughs> was. A, a bit like a thick dinner plate and you were just like yeah like I, it's like grabbing a steering wheel like i yeah. can i can hold on to this i know i'm playing a video game when i'm holding <laughs> this thing Remember Dreamcast, Drew? Oh, yeah. No, the, the original Xbox. huge memory cartridges that you would like oh, yeah. shove into the middle of it like a like a magazine on a rifle. And you were just yep. like, I'm ready to play. I got my 16 megabytes of memory stored in my controller. And I'm ready to play Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2. Yeah, the original Xbox <laughs> Duke was a hell of a controller, too. That thing was massive. There you go. Yep. Oh my goodness. Remember the GameCube? That controller wigged me out. That thing was wacky. That was freaky. Uh, anyway, great questions. Great questions. All right. Let's move on to the pen of the week. So we carried around both of us a Diplomat Arrow, slightly different versions. Um, Drew's a little, brighter, little brighter than mine. Fair enough. Um, different nibs too. So Drew, why don't you go ahead and tell us what it was like for you to carry around your honeymoon, you know, newly acquired brown arrow i will no I, I, I will just put a disclaimer out there i very much am in the honeymoon phase with this pen i've been wanting this pen for a very long time and it is new to me so thinking objectively was a little bit more challenging um it's uh, hard to critique this pen because i've it has been sought after for me for quite some time but it is a fine nib i inked it up using noodler's beaver it is a mm. great 
pairing with this pen. It is a you know rich brown, but not too dark. It does still have a little bit of shading to it. Um, obviously, okay. it was a delight. I found myself uh, writing with it kind of like this a lot because I was just taking a note and literally keeping the cap in my other hand. I would just like Absolutely. jot something, jot Same. something down, and then Same. pop it in. But if I was writing for a little bit longer, I would post it every single time. Um, I really like the weight of it posted, and like I mentioned a couple episodes ago or last episode. When I have that extra weight in my hand, it is mm. kind of a tactile reminder for me not to press. It's like, okay, I have, it's kind of pulling my nib away from the paper a little bit, so I'm not tempted to let gravity draw me down to the paper. So I did post it whenever I was writing kind of more than a couple words, hmm. but I uh, found myself writing with it quite a bit. I didn't have to refill it, so I have plenty of ink. Um, nice. But as you know, this pen is not made anymore. This was a discontinued color. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, uh, acquired it through some help from our distributor and there was some nib swapping that happened before hmm. this pen could come my way. And I was informed of that. However, what I think happened was something a little bit more unique than a nib swapping because I noticed that there was a gin converter in here. I'm like, Oh, okay, whatever. That's fine. Um, you know, hmm. uh, but then I put in a standard international converter and it did not fit. Not at all. Like not what? at all. Yeah. Um, so what to I be think... Cl- to be clear, this is just a discontinued color. Like the arrow hasn't changed. No, like, but what I think... The arrow is still the same. What I think happened was that um, this was originally a rollerball that they had, that they had oh. threaded on the grip of a fountain pen. Huh. So the back end just does not have enough s- space. Is there for... like a spring in there or something holding it back? Or is uh, it, do you no. think it's like actually no, it, machined differently? I think it might be machined differently. So Really? That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. This Jinhao thing will work just fine. And if not, I can refill some cartridges. But I found huh. that to be interesting. So that is interesting because we, we don't carry the rollerball. All we carry is a fountain pen. So right. sometimes we'll run into this you know like the situation where like we don't know intimately how the rollerball might be made differently um i would check and do, see if there's you, a spring or something or something, you, or something what, what, what do you see in the back of yours do you see like a little um, do you see like a little hole i thing? see dark i see darkness i don't really see anything back in there see, Let me see if I, can. I, I see a little thing i don't, I don't see a little thing i mean yeah. i i basically just see the I see the inside of like just the bare metal. It's like a silver metal part, which is clearly I, like the end cap to this thing. No, and I definitely nothing do not. Else. I see nothing else in there. No, I see a little piece of plastic in there. I, I see Drew, knowing what I know about how probably these pens are made, I'm sure like the actual machined like metal barrel of the pen is exactly the same. Because why in the world would they machine two right, different yeah. things? There's probably some little plastic insert or something that there that's made to hold the rollerball back mm-hmm. that you can probably pull out of there if you're determined. Hmm. I bet you can get it out of there. All right, well, I don't know how, we'll but see. you can figure it out. But I'm almost almost positive. So that must be why there's a Jinhao converter in there because that converter is probably a little shorter it is. than the regular one. Okay, interesting. Well, ah. you're talking about a discontinued color of a pen that was clearly modified at some point. So no one who buys one <laughs> will be in this situation. No, but that is interesting. So to yeah, have I did. To go I did to this detective work and do this. You know. Yeah, but other than that, I freaking love it. Great, awesome, it's delightful. Yeah. Um, okay. So I also carried my uh, 
my arrow around. And this was my original, this was my OG. This was actually the one that we acquired first. Oftentimes I am the guinea pig, right? When we're looking at new brands, new things like that. So we had heard about the arrow. The arrow's actually not been around that long, maybe five years at the most, something like that. It hasn't been around for like decades. Uh, so we had kind of heard about the arrow. So I bought one to be the guinea pig. It was this one and it was like, oh my gosh, yes, of course, I get why people love this pen. Um, and then uh, later on, I did actually swap this nib uh, with a custom grind. I mentioned this in the pencast last week. So this is a medium cursive italic grind from Custom Nib Studio, Gina Salarino. Uh, writes great, that, that I very much enjoyed that. A steel nib on this one. Um, and, uh, you know, just kind of like reminded me of like, oh yeah, this is why I love the arrow because, you know, it's got the snap on it, all that kind of stuff. Um, I did not end up posting my pen really at all. Now, I didn't really think about it until you mentioned it, but, you know, because it just caps and uncaps so quickly and easily and, you know, I guess I was even like, I even like sat down, I had like a doctor's appointment, I had some meetings and stuff that I used it. I just didn't really think to post the pen. I don't know why, Did just unconsciously I didn't post the pen. Maybe because the pen, the cap just had a little more weight to it, but I just tended to either hold it in my hand or just leave it around. And then I just capped it and went on with my life. So I didn't post it, I normally post my pens, I didn't do it on this one. It's not unpleasant when I do, I enjoy it when I do, but I just didn't for whatever reason. Um, the um, ink that I had in it was Sailor Shikiori, uh, Kim mm. Makusi, which I had not used this ink before. And I've talked about this before, how like, oh yeah, when I'm using a new pen or a new nib, I tend to also want to use a new ink. And then I'm like, ah, shoot, why did I do that? Because now how it writes, I don't know which factor it is. So this is a little, little Shikiori, how cute. Um, so I did use this. It's a lighter orange ink that I normally use. I purposely used this orange because it's lighter than I would normally be inclined to use. And I wanted to just experience that. I wanted to go, you know what? I'm gonna purposely go a little, not much outside my comfort zone, just a little bit. And it was very pleasant, but I'm also I'm like, yeah, I like a little darker orange. <laughs> it just kind of validated like, ah, I really do like those deep saturated colors. but. It was very pleasant because, again, this is a cursive italic. Granted, it's a medium cursive italic, so it's, it's like maybe like 0 0.7, 0 0.8 millimeters wide. It's pretty fine in the grand scheme of things. So it's not like the ink was gushing on the page. I got a little bit of shading. I do love me some shading. So it's like if I use a lighter, lighter saturated ink, I want it to shade like it's never shaded before. Like it's just going out of style. Um, so I do like heavy shading. This one shaded a little bit not probably as much as some other oranges in this range, like a Noodler's Habanero or a Cayenne, mm. uh, or of course the famed Apache Sunset, which is my favorite mid-orange color ink. So I, I would say like, yeah, I probably would lean a little more towards like an Apache Sunset type orange than this one. But that said, it flowed very well had no issues whatsoever with the way that it wrote. That's also great nib, great ink, um, that kind of thing. So all around very, very pleasant writing experience for me, really just like reinvigorated me for like, yeah, I really, really do love this. Now, the one weird thing that I had that happen, just being completely honest, so I, I clipped this pen into my shorts, 
because apparently I'm just doing that now with all these pens because I did it with the Traveler's pen, the first pen that we had. And then I did it with, I couldn't really do it with the Twisby swipe. Um, but then I did it with this one and it held just fine. The only issue I had, and this is weird, I would have thought being that it's a snap cap pen, you know, when I've carried this around before, I've always kept it in a pen sleeve. Um, I didn't do that this time. I just clipped it right into my pocket and just went about my business. Uh, the weird thing I have, you would think that like being a snap cap like this, that it might unsnap, right? right. I didn't have that happen. What I had happen was the body itself unscrewed with the cap still snapped in there. Hmm. So like I felt this part in my pocket and I was like, ah, shoot, I probably got ink everywhere. Like this thing probably unsnapped. But then when I pulled this part out, I was like, huh? <laughs> I was like, that's weird. Uh, why would this unscrew first? You know, I probably just didn't, because it's metal on metal threads. You know, it's not like super, super tight grab necessarily. So, you know, if you don't, if you don't like kind of positively, like really lock it in there, I could see how eventually it would come out, especially because I mean, I was, you know me, Drew, I live my life. I just go about and I don't. Probably riding some sort down. of machinery. Probably. Yeah, I'm running around. I'm doing all kinds of crazy stuff outside, whatever. I just I put my pins through some abuse when I carry them around in my pockets. So um, I guess I was affirming to the snap cap because it did not come unsnapped, but I just didn't tighten it enough when I uh, inked up the pen initially. So it did come loose once, uh, but this was after, I mean, I'd been carrying the pen around for over a week at that point. So it happened, it happened then, but you know, it could happen to somebody else. So I just wanted to let everybody know that that's a potential thing. But that was literally the only like weird thing that I had happen the entire time. Nice. Yeah. All right. So we are going to do another one for next week. Um, and, you know, we've got some new um, colors for the Pilot Explorer. Yes. And so we wanted to invigorate ourselves and refamiliarize ourselves with the Explorer. So that's what we're going to do. We're both going to choose an Explorer. I have one here at home with me already. Uh, the turquoise one, which is an old mm. color. It's not a new color, but I do like it a lot. Uh, and so this is the one I'm going to choose. This is a medium nib. Okay. Steel nib. And I personally, because I am a fan of the Con 70, I am going to ink mine up with a Con 70 and use it. I give Drew a hard time because he's just not as much a fan of the Con 70 as I am. He thinks cleaning it's a bunch of malarkey. And I think it he's is. a bunch of malarkey. And using it is also just hit or miss like oh am i filling am i not how many times do i have to hit this button if it was mm. it's oh just yeah it's more this, complicated than it needs look to at be all this, all this incapacity who in the world would want the incapacity is the only good thing about that thing everything yeah, else is over engineered like, that's like the point of it that's what it is for it's a well, car it's a converter then it's there to carry ink it's literally its purpose is to capacitate ink so when you have a greater ink capacity i think that's a better converter not, it's as not as steadfast it's, rule, it, of course. It, it's, <laughs> it's, it's as effective as an empty pilot cartridge. Whoa. Mm. I will be using the included Con B converter, and I don't know which color I'm going to pick, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, I think I'm I might not... actually pick what ink I'm going to use first and then pick what color I want after that. Oh, or not. Okay. I, might want, I might see if there's one laying around here that I can use. But I've, I've mm. literally got them all right here, so... Oh, yeah. You got yeah. the new ones? Is that all the new ones right there? Yeah, I've got all of them. Yeah, they're still in the boxes because I was going to do a video on them, but uh, we're sold out of the gray. So I'm like, mm. I'd like to do the video, but I don't want to do, I've got all the colors but one. So I'm so like. You should clearly carry the gray one around because you'll be like the coolest guy on the block. 
having the pen that nobody else can get. We might have it. We might have it pulled for photo. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> we'll have to check. Fair enough. Cool. All right. So Pilot Explorer. Just choose a choose a different nib than a medium, just so that we can mix that up a little bit. I will use a fine. Great. All right. You can also eyedropper convert it too. That's another option if you don't want to go with. Ooh, maybe I should test that so I can see if you're wrong about that. I've tested it before and I know that I'm right. So you can test it if you want. All you will be doing is proving how right I am. So maybe I will like it. put it in there and then see if I can blow air through it enough to spray ink out the side because there mm. is a little plastic nubbin on this thing, Brian. Okay. So it's not it's not all one piece. Okay, fair enough. So you're 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 living dangerously there, in my opinion. Fair enough. If you wanna if you wanna prove me wrong. Either way, I'm going to win because either I'm going to be right or you're going to end up blowing ink all over yourself. <laughs> and uh, I'll get to take pleasure in that either way. And then I'll just blame you for having done something wrong and still stick to my guns. Fair enough. Sound, sound like a plan? Yeah, yeah. That sounds great. All right. So as we get towards the end here, Drew, let's talk a little bit about kind of what's happening in our lives. You. Yeah. Um, things happening. What, yeah, I had a few up? things happening. Uh, my wife has been doing a little, uh, you know, local musical. So she finally uh, had that open up. So I got to see her do her thing. And that's always, um, I always am very, very, very proud of her and always just very, very terrified about how how much I could not do something like that. I could not even effectively play my toy accordion on the pencast, Brian. So I get up there and I see her on stage singing <laughs> and acting. I'm like, how in the world do people do yeah. that and not just be petrified and terrified? If, so if, if any of you remember that when Drew played his, his toy accordion here, as soon as we finished the recording, he played it flawlessly for me immediately after the camera was off. Yeah, it was, I, it was pretty. It was pretty, pretty impressive. I am not a person who can perform in front of people, even a camera. I, I just, I can't do it. So when Shannon gets up there and does that, I'm just like, "Hey, girl, you, you, you got this." So that was cool to see. Always a pleasure. I'm going to go see her again this weekend. Um, and I've been continuing to work on uh, my son Archer's Halloween costume, which I am wiring lights to his chest armor and onto his palm guards. So. I've successfully wired everything. Everything lights up, and now I just need to, you know, cover up the wiring. Make sure I've got shrink wrap, uh, shrink stuff on all of the connections and solder points, mm -hmm. so that um, he doesn't get electrocuted while he's at school. So, I was gonna say, are you gonna need to like carry around a fire extinguisher as you go trick or treating or something? Like, um, how much do you trust your electrical skills here? <laughs> you know, I mean, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. He's a resourceful kid. <laughs> fair enough no fair it's enough. good it's good they're they're i'm getting better at soldering nice good good practice it's good to have a project like you know things like electrical work and soldering and all that like you can't just like practice that and do it for fun you pretty much have to like invent a project to do that on yeah um my father-in-law got into model trains he does like n-scale model train building and there's a ton of electrical stuff involved with that. And it was the same kind of thing. He just loves geeking out and soldering resistors and blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. So, um, but it's the kind of thing that like, unless you're actively working on that, I don't know how you would like practice it really, but oh, pretty cool. Respect. I did try, I Respect. did try, I did try researching about some resistors and it got too mathematical for me. So I just ditched the LED uh, uh, lights that I had for LED light strips that had resistors in the strip itself so i was like mm. i bought resistors i'm like all right that too much too many numbers i can't let me just scrap this and go the easy route i can't numbers and math just mm -mm. 
So Joe, I do. I, was, I, I I did find my limit. I, I was once a resistor salesman, technically. At, at Radio Shack. I worked at Radio Shack. Yeah, and we would get people that would come in, and they would need resistance and capacitors and all that kind of stuff. So I had to learn about the fair ads and uh, ohms and uh, all that stuff. You know. Actually, well, well, I just recently bought a multimeter, and I'm like reading through because the one I have is really old and kind of broken, and I got some electrical junk. I'm putting some like lights on my lawnmower because as we're getting into like fall here i'm finding that like oh yeah let me just like wrap up my lawn mowing after dinner oh crap it's dark now like oh shoot you know and so i'm like you know what lights on the lawnmower would be pretty helpful not to like mow in the middle of the night but just like as i'm finishing out because you know you get dirty you get all dusty and mow well you hate mowing laundry so you don't even want to do it but you know with me i'm like mowing and you get grass and you get all stuff so like there's nothing worse when I have like 10 minutes more of mowing to do, but I can't finish it out that day. And then it's like, okay, I got to do it the next day and I got to get all dirty all again and make it a whole thing. So I would rather just like finish it out and, you know, have some lights on, but now I can do that. So I bought like some of that kind of stuff because I installed the lights. And nice. Yeah, it's the same kind of thing. It was just like, I have this multimeter and I'm like, gosh, there's so many things that, with this that it can do that I don't even know. Yeah. So I'm trying to read up on it and it's uh, making me feel a little dumb. Maybe not dumb, ignorant, being feeling very ignorant on the electrical yeah. side. Yeah, yeah, I know how to use one aspect of the multimeter, and that's it. Yeah, is it the the um, was it connectivity one where it just like yeah. beep it beeps if there's a completed circuit? Yep, that that's one I all, know. Yep, that's all I care about. <laughs> that's right, and I can test if there's like a, uh, a like a a, a a good outlet, like yeah, a live good outlet. outlet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like well, that's kind of it. That's um, it. You're good. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, for me, it's been crazy with school starting and all that. Completely changed our routine. Um, if you got the the um, company newsletter that we had on Wednesday, Rachel talked in the personal message about she had uh, some some light uh, foot surgery. Nothing serious. Nothing you know crazy. But um, she it's like in a weird place on her foot, and it's just taking a long time to heal. Uh, no pun intended. And uh, it's just like the timing of it is just really weird, you know, because she she had to get stitches, she had to get them taken out. And then the doctor was like, yeah, you really need to like rest more. You shouldn't be walking around. So it's like, great. Good thing we're not having to like drive our kids back and forth to school every day. So I've been driving the kids to school a lot this week and all that. And it's just taking a lot, all this extra time. And she's she feels terrible because she's sitting on the couch having to like have me go get her coffee and do all the dishes and cooking and all that kind of stuff. But it's like, you know, she's healing and she can't like walk around or it's going to not heal as fast and it's going to take even longer. So it's like, no, you do your thing, dear, you know, but it's just been like the personal life stuff has been crazy. I've had a lot of stuff with extended family and stuff going on. I won't even get into, um, but it's just been, it's been a lot. There's been a lot on the personal front uh, lately that, you know, it's all getting done, but my goodness, a lot of life happening. Um, but yeah, and then just like rolling into the company updates here. Um, you know, we had some some pencast delays due to some technical issues, um, which hopefully we're, we've worked most of those out. Mostly it's because uh, we just talk too freaking much and our files are so big and we're trying to sling them around on the internet to get them to each other and to edit them together. And it just takes a really long time to sling around the files that are size that they are because we talk too much. So if we talked a lot less, it would be easier, but that's clearly not happening because we're over an hour and a half into this one already. But anyway, so that's been a thing. Um, thanks for your patience on that one. We sort of 
missed a week uh, in there, but we're getting back on track now. I'm sure we'll have more disruptions in the future, but you know, every week-ish is what we're shooting for anyway. Um, and then just like in the office, it's just more like COVID stuff, keeping an eye on Delta variant and all that kind of stuff. I'm trying to read up more about it. Of course, you know, in the U.S. here, a president just came out with some, you know, stuff about, uh, you know, companies with 100 or more employees having some vaccine mandate type stuff. We do not have more than 100 employees, so we are not mandated to do anything, but it's like sort of just like watching, observing what else is happening. And, um, you know, most of our team is vaxxed anyway, so it won't like massively disrupt anything, but we're just keeping a close eye on all that stuff and reading lots of reports and just like so much of my life as a business owner has been keeping tabs on all that stuff because I care about our team and I care about my family and <laughs> safety and all these types of things is really important. It is just still just out there and alive and well. Um, and so just being very conscious of all those impacts uh, is ever present in our lives. So, you know, it's stay vigilant, everybody. You know, COVID's still out there and it's shifting and changing and all that. Um, so keeping up with that has been been a considerable amount of time but that's been a big big thing for our company um but thankfully got a good team very unified but it's it's clear that this is going to be something that's going to continue to disrupt not just our company but the whole supply chain shipping carriers everything through the holidays this year um it's going to be a continuing 2021 into 2022 thing that's that's pretty evident at this point cool and that's really all i want to talk about that because i talk about this way too much every single day so um Let's close it out with Drew. What do you have on your desk that you want I, to? I actually about? have a lot on my desk. Like I mentioned, I've got all of these. I've got like a bazillion pilot boxes here of all the explorers. I'm going to do a video on this um, at some point soon, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. whether or not I need the gray or not uh, TBD, because I just want to get this done. So they're there. I've got a bunch of uh, Pelican twists because I was playing around with these because. The whole converter fit issue thing is a thing. And yep. when there's a thing that is confusing and weird, it comes like, to me. Hey, Drew. So hey, Drew. <laughs> something that's going on, Drew. Fail to figure yeah. it out. <laughs> so I've been doing that. I've been testing with my pile of random converters here. And it's been fun. Uh, nice. I also did some testing with the JR Bond inks and I uh, got to revisit some of the 1670 series, the really, really pretty ones with the sparkles and the shading and uh, shimmering and whatever. Uh, and you know what? The uh, Carub de Chypre, uh, Carub de Chypre, Carub de Chypre was actually... Carub de Chypre. Carub de Chypre was <laughs> actually really pleasant to write with, Brian. I'd never really written with that ink, but as yeah. I'm using the glass pen and swabbing it, I'm like, ooh. It's a, it's a good one. Okay. It's kind of like a it's kind of like a copper burst, like a diamond copper burst kind of vibe, you know. But but with some pizzazz to it. Oh, it's got yeah. pizzazz. It's I got see pizzazz. you, Karub. Uh, <laughs> and then I also have Brian the samples of our next retro fifty one pen here. Ooh, yeah. Do you want to see it? I'm, I'll show it to you. Oh yeah, let's check it out. Oh my gosh! Look uh, at you it. see that? It's there it beautiful. is. Beautiful. I tell you, it's Ooh. well protected. Yeah, that looks nice. Yeah, there it is. Wow, that looks look nice. That. Yeah. I'm impressed. I think we really knocked it out of the park with this design, Brian. I think so. It's really unique looking. Yeah. I agree. I agree. It'd be good for shipping, too. It seems like it'll be really safe in transit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, uh, if you're listening via audio, I didn't actually show the pen. I'm sorry. No. He just he showed it in the bubble wrapping that the sample came in, but he didn't actually show the pen. No, we are going to do another retro exclusive. This will be our first retro exclusive that we've done since Retro 51 
was um, sold and uh, under new ownership. So uh, we're pretty excited about this. Same designer, uh, Richard, the designer there is just fantastic. And I personally have had a pretty heavy hand in communicating all the back and forth with the design and uh, we're pretty excited about it. So yeah, very should be good, but you'll know more when it's time and it's not time yet. Drew's just teasing because he's being a jerk. <laughs> it's really too early to talk about it, but that's what's happening. Cool. Um, yeah. And then me, what's on my desk is just a bunch of crap. I just have stuff everywhere because I've been just dealing with personal drama. So, uh, I basically have everything that I've shown in the past, like three or four pen casts has just piled up on my desk here <laughs> and, uh, none of it has moved. So it's just getting higher and higher. And is I'm the just, swipe like, still there? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> swipes right here good yeah what else have we talked about recently i got that well i already showed you the lego i got the the ink that i just used i got the konagi that's the ink that i used previously nice i had the two minutes of midnight which i was thinking about using but then i didn't but it's still here <laughs> i have all the preppy waz and the diplomat magnum good well ones. it'll They're i think here. you're you're fine until it starts kind of piling up so it's making its way into the shot so yeah so, that's true I so far do, i think you're okay i do have a pretty good knack for doing what i call like the the video like shove like i whenever i shoot at my desk and you know this drew you, you've seen yeah. you've witnessed this just, just crud all over my desk all the time i'm just one of those people you know that like when i work like stuff just happens it just gets all around me i look around and i'm like where, where did all this stuff come from um and then uh you know i might clean it up but I, I did I, the I, video I, shove on your desk uh, a couple weeks ago when, when we the when yeah. we did the uh, the um, irresistible fountain pen moments video. Um, yeah. I had to I had to clear I had to clear some space. Oh yeah, because like if I just if I just like pulled out the camera and shot what my desk looked like, everybody would be like, it would not be this? as irresistible. Who is this slovenly character? Like <laughs> this is unacceptable. I do not trust him to buy <laughs> pens from him he can't even keep himself in order which is 100 percent true but it's just easier for me to just shove that stuff out of the frame and have fewer things on the desk to distract <laughs> me <laughs> that and it's fewer things for me to like knock over as i just am flailing my hands around when i talk because that is what i do yeah mine <laughs> I've, I've, I've got now two dead plants here on my desk so my, my watering journal did not work Oh, that's too bad. Uh, yeah. I believe I have a succulent that I haven't watered since COVID started last year. And it's still over there on my desk, my front office in the house. Um, that desk I've all, I've, I've just abandoned. That one reached a point where I couldn't even function on it anymore. So I just abandoned it. And I've just been working on the couch. <laughs> it's, it's bad. It's bad. Oh. Well, anyway, that's what we got for you all this week. Thank you so much for watching. Please leave us feedback on how we're doing. Let us know. All these various questions that you at what we asked you, leave it in the comments. That would be wonderful to hear what you all think. Be sure to check out Goulet Pens for all your fountain pen ink and paper needs. We got a lot of stuff going on over there. A lot of good pictures, a lot of good technical info and fun stuff for you to shop and buy things if you are so inclined. If you are listening to the audio version and you want to send us an email, our email is pencast at gouletpens.com. And I have a random fun fact, since we were talking about light fastness and UV rays in the sun and all that kind of stuff. So temperatures inside the sun can reach 15 million degrees Celsius. Energy is generated through nuclear fusion in the sun's core. 
and that is when hydrogen converts to helium. And because objects generally expand, the sun would explode like an enormous bomb if it wasn't for the tremendous gravitational pull. Think about that. It's basically a constantly exploding nuclear bomb that is only held together through its own massiveness. How crazy is that to think about? Frankly, it's terrifying. And, and that is the thing that is blasting our Earth constantly. And that's why ink can't really hold up to it because it's nuclear radiation, more or less, that is blasting it every day. Anyway, kind of fascinating. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, that's heavy. <laughs> there you go. That's all we got for y'all this week. Thank you so much for watching. And...